This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear from Pete Dyson on the power and process of questions that lead to wisdom and spiritual maturity in families. Pete Dyson is the associate pastor of Park City's Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. This was originally recorded as a seminar delivered at the 2022 General Assembly. Let's listen as Pete Dyson teaches on spiritual maturity in families. My name is Pete Dyson. I am a teaching elder at Park City's Presbyterian Church in Dallas, and I have been there for 32 years. Uh, associate pastor there and um, since it started and uh, have been involved in a lot of the ministries of our church. We were a brand new church at that time uh, and it has been a privilege to kind of get on that journey and um, be a part of that developing church. And as I have grown older and grown where I deal with, you know, my age group as we've kind of moved along, uh, my focus has been uh, on, for me personally, has been with the baby boomer type age. I am born in January of 1946, and um, uh, that is the beginning. And so uh, that feeds into a little bit of what I'm going to uh, talk about today. Uh, my wife, Marquet, is sitting right here, and uh, we've been married now two and a half years. Um, uh, both our first spouses died, and then the Lord gave us an opportunity to meet and remarry. And uh, between us, we have 19 grandchildren. And that's going to feed into what we're going to talk about today as well. So uh, that's kind of my history there. Now, this talk that I'm giving you today actually is the third in a series that I've given here at General Assembly uh, moving, moving these pieces along. And so you're going to see how this fits together because there's a flow in the way God's been working in my life and how I think it can benefit uh, the church, any church, but really in the PCA as well. So um, this, this is a skills seminar. It's really not just a bunch of information, but it's hopefully to help you in the area with some skills. It was developed as a, tr- as a training tool for intentional Christian grandparents. 
And the key word there is intentional. Because what I discovered myself and what Marquet discovered with her grandchildren as we put all these together is that certainly we saw ourselves as Christian grandparents. Um, and <clears throat> But what we were missing was this idea of, of how do you become an intentional Christian grandparent? Uh, we certainly would pray with them, take them to church, but like most grandparents, we, we were caught up in just the cultural mode of babysitting, loving them, you know, encouraging them, going to their games and this type of thing and feeling like we've been pretty good grandparents. But we were missing the biblical mandate that is given by Moses in Deuteronomy to the generation that is getting ready to go into the promised land when, when he said, I want you to take consideration of yourselves and you are to pass on to your children's children the truth of God. And uh, Deuteronomy 4.9, and God is, has given us that role that we are to do that. And so um, uh, grandparents today matter more than ever. And I'm gonna talk with you a little bit about why that's true. Couple of thoughts here. You know the rap, rapid drift of our um, culture. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it, how far down we're going uh, when now they're promoting drag queens in elementary schools uh, with no shame, no shame at all. Uh, where in the world has our culture gone for, for that type of thing? And more, and, and other issues as well. Our political leadership uh, is, um, uh, is such that we are not getting the support of a Christian culture that we used to be. Uh, it's going in completely different directions. And then the spiritual influence in our world today is lacking. Our churches are declining. Uh, through last surveys by Barner, 1,500 churches close their doors every year. Uh, there are about 700 new plants every year, but only about half of those make it. Uh, so we're really behind the curve from that standpoint. And we all know the, the main denominations are declining rapidly in, in their numbers and stuff. And the members of people who now call themselves nuns, uh, meaning they're not, they don't really call themselves Christians, they don't call themselves non-Christians, but they just say none, I'm not really involved in any kind of group. So our spiritual influence in this country is, is poor. Uh, biblically, a generation rose up that did exactly what is hap trying to happen in our culture today, in the judges. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers and there rose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Uh, it's amazing today how biblically illiterate uh, young people are, uh, and even in our churches, um, how much they aren't taking in and how they're, they're not growing. So the need really for a grandparent in helping in this area, which is a unique role that they have, is bigger than ever. We have discovered that this is a, 
a missing ministry opportunity. Very few churches give attention to the potential of grandparents. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll show you why. Here's what happens. It's what I call the ministry gap. Almost all churches are based on the stair step up. And that is, we have a children's ministry, we have a youth ministry, we minister to singles, and we minister to marrieds. The marriage ministry lasts probably 20 to 25 years uh, until their kids get up and get gone. Uh, and then we start the cycle all over again. Uh, we usually will have one other ministry, and that's on the far end of the right, and that is to our, our, ultimate, our altar senior ministries, where we need to take care of them. But there's an incredible gap in between. And this is what we've discovered. And that is, for most churches, you'll see that children need care. Well, the 85-year-olds need care, all right? Youth need support. Well, 75 to 85 is when the first health issues begin to hit older people. Uh, they need support. Singles, this is when they're trying to decide, what do I do with my freedom? And who am I as an individual? But similarly, this is the gap. At 55 is when uh, people are beginning to experience empty nest. And now uh, it's just us. And what are we going to do with ourselves? Uh, this is when people begin to think about pre-retirement. And what's that going to look like? Uh, how are we going to plan for that? And it's really not just money as much as it is, what am I gonna do with myself? Because once a person retires, their, their big issue is, is well, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a plumber anymore. I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor anymore. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a lawyer anymore. I'm not a teacher anymore. What, so who, who am I uh, at that point? It's also a time when people begin to drift because at that age, it's like, hey, the younger guys are coming on. We need to get them involved and get them in leadership and what happens. But any of you guys that are over 55 know that the moment you give up your table at the leadership, for the leadership, you never get back. You never get back. All right. Why? Because they want it and, and they want to do a good job and they're eager and they're excited. But what that does is it begins to make you feel a little bit less needed at the church. And we're finding because this group of people can travel, uh, they want to love their grandkids, uh, they've got a little money saved back, they want to uh, have some fun and what have you, but they're drifting from their involvement in the church. It's about a 20 year gap of which we are not having any specific ministry to our people. And yet, let's look at them. They have more time, they're empty nesters, they have more money, they're finishing their strong careers, they are mature, they have wisdom from life experiences, and there's a huge number of them. Uh, the baby boomers right now, they say 10,000 people a day become baby boomers, all right? There's like 75 million of us, okay? And so it's, it's happening out there. And then because of medical uh, progress, we all, we have better health and, and more energy at that time. So here is a tremendous potential loss to the church 
because of not having some kind of strategy for that particular group of people. They have so much to give. I don't know if any of you were in here last hour where they were talking about discipling. Um, and the question was, can older guys disciple younger guys? Yes, but the issue is there's no strategy to help put that together and make it happen. Um, so that's a great need that came up uh, that we found in our church and while we're starting to work on that. And yet all of these people have one thing in common. And that is I've never met a grandparent that isn't excited about their grandchildren. They're all excited about their grandchildren. They love them, oh, don't you? I mean, goodness, it's the ones that we can have fun with and then send them home when they get fussy and uh, we don't have to mess with the rest of it. Uh, but seriously, it's, uh, it, it is a time when they care about you because you're one step removed from authority. And so therefore, they, can, they, can, they know they can kind of play you a little bit. And we don't mind being played, do we? But we've got to be careful what we don't spoil them, okay? But here it is. We found yet they're not sure how, that's the key, how to bring wisdom and spiritual truth to their grandchildren. Uh, they want to. Uh, they might pray with them at meals, take them to church and this type of thing. But how do I really get into the heart of my children, my grandchildren? Uh, so one of the best ways to do that is to reach the hearts of grandchildren is by asking questions. Now I want to add that this is, this is great for parents also. This is what I'm fixing to give you in the area of skills is something anyone can use in any way. Uh, but I've been, we've been particularly putting it uh, out for, for grandparents uh, to use. Um, very few um, people know how to use good questions, all right? And so I want to talk about that just a little bit. Uh, so... Uh, boy, that was that one didn't work, did it? We I, I can't tell you how many times I tried to enlarge that. So I'm gonna just read it to you. Um, <clears throat> here, here's the one that I thought was gonna be printed out, but it it didn't. The art of asking effective questions, and this is did everybody get something you can write on? There there are note taking stuff up here. Um, is is first of all. Yeah, if anybody needs one, here's uh, Brent can help pass this out if you need a note-taking piece. Um, it begins with asking ourselves the question, what do we want our grandchildren to know? All right, what do we want our grandchildren to know or even our children to know? Now, I have a handout over here that a good friend of mine produced, uh, and he thought this through. Seven things I want my grandchildren to know, all right? And he says, I want, them to, I want them to have love and cheers and prayers from me. I want my grandkids to know they'll always have my love and my cheers and my prayers, all right? That's a general statement, right, okay? Secondly, the who and what about Jesus. I want them to know the who and what about Jesus. For example, someone told me the other day, and I just I said to my grandkids, I said, you know, um, all the religions of the world are, can be totaled up by one word, and that is the word do. 
It's what you do. That's what gets you to heaven. It's what the Buddhists do. It's what Islam does. It's what Confucius does. It's every possible language is based on a religion or what you do. And I said to my kids, you know, all you need to do is add two letters and you'll know exactly what Christianity is all about. And that is N-E. It's what's done. Because you see, the difference in Christianity and the rest of the world is what God has done for you. And you'll never find it anyplace else. All right? Um, I want them to know truth. Psalm 36, 9. You are light, and by you we see light. I want them to know the joy of the Lord. I want them to know vision, what God has as far as where uh, his life wants us to go. I want them to... I want them to have friends and I want to have some scrutiny there. In other words, choosing the right friends and the right life partner. All right? Just this is a handout you can get that, that's up there for you. But that's the question that we need to ask. What do I want my grandchildren to know? Okay? Because, uh, and then let me add to that, what do we want them to know about God? And what family traditions do we want them to value? What family traditions do we want them to value? Some of our families have certain traditions. Um, Marquet has started one that we've continued to use with our grandkids. It's called Cousins Night. And so at least once a month, invite all the cousins to come. And they like being together. They come from three different families. Uh, and that's kind of a tradition. And they're used to it. And so it's a great time to deal with other things. So the key in asking good questions is to get ahead so that you know where they are, all right? So let me uh, put this up there. Let's talk a little bit about questions. It was one of Jesus's number one methods. He used sermons and he used questions, all right? Sermons to get out a content of truth, but then questions to find out, is the truth getting anywhere? Okay. And that's really key. He asked questions, for example, uh, to cause a listener to think. One of the things that he asked the Pharisees was, have you not read? You know, they were the most read people of the day, but you haven't really read it. You know, you haven't really thought it through. Um, he wanted to examine what a believer, what a listener really believed. For example, he says to the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? See, what, what do you really know about what is good, you see? Um, Jesus, of course, knew the answers, but he wanted to find out, do you know, all right? Or thirdly, to clarify a listener's understanding he said to the disciples, who, who do men say that I am? And, and in the Bible, over 200 questions of Jesus are recorded. Now, that quantity says something, you see, to us. That was the power of asking questions. So now, <clears throat> what I want to see is, is that we need to get ahead and we need to think about two things that are important. And that is, we need to think about their age levels 
and secondly, what they're going through at that age stage. This is what helps you know what kind of questions to ask, all right? Uh, this, this should be on your sheet that you've got to take notes on. I'm gonna walk through these real quickly and then come back and talk with you about questions for each of those stages, all right? So <clears throat> first, let's look at um, kindergarten through four. This is a wonderful age of innocence, and the wonderful thing about this age is that kids will answer any and every question you ask them. Uh, they might not answer it with what you think you kind of wanted to get, but they'll give you some kind of answer at this age. They're just wonderful about that. But they like to tell you about their lives. And, um, but the important thing about this age is if you keep using questions that make them think and make them think you like them and that you're interested in them, you are building a foundation to continue to ask questions through their whole life, you see? In other words, you're setting a foundation by having, being, you know, grandma and grandpa, they're always asking me questions, you know, and some of them are good and some of them are hard, you know, but as you're doing that, then when they get older, they're gonna be used to the fact that you do that and you're gonna be setting a good stage for that. Fifth and sixth graders, uh, there's a huge shift at that stage um, they begin to be thinking much more um, abstractly. Uh, their little brains are, are developing stuff, and before that, they're very literal up to that point about everything. But at fifth and sixth grade, they're starting to think um, more, they're becoming more aware of the culture around them uh, and what's going on in the world. Uh, it's also a time in which they start to lose a little bit of that innocence uh, in their life, and I'm not talking about moral in innocence as much as just the, the, the sense of, oh, wow, really? You know, they're just that way. But at this point, they, they realize that not everything quite works out the way it's supposed to work out. And so they're starting to do that. The other key thing, though, is this is when they really start wanting to be with all their friends. Now, that gets starts sooner, but this is when they want to start kind of running in packs, okay? with their friends. It's very important that you pay close attention to who these friends are, in a sense. And we'll talk some more about that in a minute. They're watching older kids. They're becoming aware um, of things that are going on. When they get to junior high in the seventh, eighth grade, this is when they're really solidifying their identity. Uh, they're beginning to think, who, who am I? They wanna be their own person. They want to be unique. Uh, they don't want to be treated like their brother, older brother or sister. Uh, they want to be their own kind of person. And they're facing decisions at this point. Uh, lots of decisions that come up about whether I should do this or whether I should do that. And they need to find like-minded friends. It's a time where they're testing their feelings about what they feel. Um, they. At this age in junior high, they don't talk about dating, all right? And you don't want them to date in junior high, all right? But they talk about, uh, like, he's got a thing for her. You know, she, she has a thing for him. And they don't even know what a thing is, but they, 
That's all they all the kind of, and you'll hear that term, you know. Uh, so they're kind of they're starting to get a little interested in the opposite sex and so forth. We'll come back with some questions about that in a minute. But this is when uh, parents and grandparents can tell them again, there's no need to date until we talk about until we get into high school. We'll talk more about that later to them, but we don't want to, we're not encouraging that at a younger age. Nine to 10, this is when they get exposed to some hard issues. Um, this is also a time they really do get a tight pack of people that they spend time with, and they want to spend more time with them than they want to spend with you. Uh, this is a hard time for grandparents, actually, at this particular point uh, in their lives, because they really start pulling away from almost all adults and they just want to relate to them. But that creates a lot of possibilities for questions. Um, 11th and 12, very busy. This is when they get in clubs, they get in sports, and they've been doing a lot of sports already, but this is now they're getting serious about it, usually starting to focus on particular sports, and they're putting a lot of their time in it. Uh, but they're doing a lot of, of activities uh, in this time uh, and getting ready to get out of high school. College is fun and free, um, and learning how to deal with that, deciding the questions of what am I going to do. Uh, the big question is, is for them that they don't ask, is how do you handle this kind of freedom that you've got, all right? You're out of the house, you know. You can get up when you want, go to bed when you want, you can eat when you want, eat what you want run around with anybody you want, no one's there to tell you anything. But how should you be handling that kind of freedom, okay? Um, so these stages in their lives require us as parents and, and grandparents to think ahead. This is where they are. And the thing that you want to do is you want to get into their world because you want to get to know them because that's when you know what questions to ask, you see? That's the key thing. Uh, there are common needs and there are specific needs. Some children have greater needs than others. Uh, they may have some disabilities. Uh, they may have some limitations physically. Uh, they may be the shortest, skinniest kid in the class, you know, or the biggest, tallest kid in the class or something. They've got special needs and you want to be thinking about that. So what are the opportunities that, we, that these things present to us? All right, let, let's come back to this now and look at it from the standpoint of, of, of questions. Um, Marquet and I sit down with her middle daughter who is in a perfect position. She is a special needs teacher uh, for the, uh, the school district, but she has kids in young grades, kids in junior high, high school, and college, all right? She's got that spread. And so we started talking with her about what are the things, things that we need to be asking, you know, these. She was a goldmine of, of information. So um, again, looking at these kids, K through four, open to all kinds of questions. Now, I have been working with a particular organization called Legacy Coalition. They focus on how to help grandparents be more intentional. That's their whole, the whole ministry they have. They're not a parachurch organization. They are a support resource organization that seeks to help any church with 
helping their grandparents in any way. For example, they have this, they sell this ring of questions, all right, here. Here's a whole bunch of questions, and they're color-coded to young kids and older kids uh, just to get conversation going. You know, how many of you have ever asked your uh, teenage grandson, hey, how'd it go today? Fine. That's all you get, right? Well, um, how's school going? Okay. And, you know, it's a bad question. Rather than saying, hey, did anything good happen to you today? Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe. What do you think? You press them, you see. But the issue is, is you got to know how to get into their hearts and their lives with, with good questions. All right, so K through four, again, they'll answer any kind of good question. Five through six, again, the key here is forming friendships that stick. All right, this is the, this is the place where you want to get one-on-one -on -one with them in a car. Hey, let's go get a hamburger. Uh, or if their favorite thing is pizza, whatever it is, let's go get it, just you and me. Uh, or, hey, I want to buy you a present for your birthday or for Christmas or something, and let's go together and let's go look, all right? But you get them alone at that point, and this is when they're probably going to work up a little bit more. But ask them questions like this. Well, who'd you eat lunch with today? Now, why did I ask that question? Because this is when they're talking about friends, okay? So they're going to always eat with the same people every day, okay? So who did you, who'd you eat lunch with today? Oh, well, tell me about him. Yeah, you like him? Mm -hmm. Oh, what, what do you like about him? And just, you're just getting information that's really, really helpful for you, you know? Um, who do you like to be with at recess? Oh, I like to be with Bob at recess. Well, why is that? Oh, he's the best, he's the best soccer player out there and stuff. Really? Right. And you kind of admire that? Mm-hmm, right. Uh, are you learning to play soccer yourself? Well, I hope so and stuff. Well, and, and you see where you're going now? You're into what he likes, and that's the issue. You can carry, carry those questions on and on. Um, do you ever see people at recess that get left out? Oh, oh yeah, you know, all the time. Um, what, what do you think's going on in their minds when they get left out? I guess they kind of don't feel important. Right? Have you ever thought about uh, just encouraging them? See where you're going with that? You're trying to now move into some of their own feelings about things. I think all of us have remembered that. I, I, I'll never forget to this day. My father was a Presbyterian pastor, okay? We had a baseball team for church league, all right? So there was a Methodist team. There was a Presbyterian team, there was an Episcopalian team, and Baptist team, whatever. And so, but we all show up out there to get chosen. Of course, just because one, maybe the Baptists had more kids out there than the Presbyterians didn't mean that they just only got, so they, they got the churches, churches got to pick. Well, my father's the Presbyterian pastor, and guess what? I got picked by the Episcopalians. Um, I wasn't real happy about that. But you know what? I wasn't that good either. Uh, and, uh, but I, I remember the disappointment that I felt not getting picked for my father's team. Uh, and all, every kid has it. 
there's something where they get left out and stuff. And you want to help them. How do we face that? How do we, what do we do about that? Is that the end of the world? Uh, well, we've lived long enough to know that it isn't, you know, but we can come alongside them and talk to them and share our own stories about where we felt we got left out, you see? And they can identify with you. Um, describe someone you like to hang out with. When you, when you want to hang out with somebody, what, who do you like to hang out with? What, 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 not necessarily who, but what, what, what are they like? You're getting to know, again, this. Remember, the friends they choose are the ones they're going to listen to when they get older. Those are the ones that are going to influence their decisions. And you want to know who these friends are and find out about them. Uh, Marque, you had a great question that you asked uh, the boys where you said, I believe, correct me on this, and guys, do you ever, and she's got five, uh, five grandsons? Wait a minute, you've got ten grandsons. Yeah, that's right, got counting mine. Okay, uh, if one of the guys said, hey, let's go out tonight and turn over all the trash cans in the alley, what would you, you're, now you're talking to your grandson, say they, so a, a guy said that, what, what, would, what would you do, okay? Do you have a friend that would say, no, I'm not gonna do that. Do you have a friend like that? And one of them said, yeah, I do, all right? Another one, mm-mm didn't have anybody that would influence him in a good way, you see. Well, you're learning something. You're, you're learning something there about where they are and those friends that they have. Um, uh, when, um, when you say you're talking with them and you hear them say words that make you uncomfortable, uh, what do you do? Nobody's ever helped them with that. These guys are starting to cuss and I kind of know my parents wouldn't want me to do that, but I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, handle, how to handle that. Well, you know how to help them handle that. You say, hey guys, that's great for you, it's not for me. And that's, that's just state your conviction, to help them to state that. They need to hear you say that for them. But then, okay, I can use that, you see. Um, so when you hear things like that and that make you feel confused, um, uh, has that ever happened? You know, like, well, what, you know, guys, they're talking at school a lot about this transgender stuff, and I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, you know? Well, um, does it make you feel comfortable or not? Well, I kind of, kind of, I don't, I'm uncomfortable about it, All right? Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. I wonder what, I wonder what, uh, what, what does God say about that? Let's go look at Genesis chapter two. You know, God created a male and female. He didn't create a male female or female male. He created them, why? But why? Because God likes diversity, okay? He likes uniqueness. And a woman has something that she brings that's completely different than what a man brings to the situation. And so God created men went differently because he wanted to create a universe that was populated with people who are special, all right? Whatever, however you want to say it. 
Um, uh, but this is helping them define themselves because at this age they are trying to remember create an identity. And it's at this age that they're going to decide I'm going to kind of be a little more maleish and I'm a female. Uh, or I'm going to be a little more female and I'm a male. You know, they can get those, they can get tested in those ways at school. Right? And so they need to really have a good sense of who their identity is. So you might say something like, you know, grandson, I'll never forget when I really understood what it meant to be a man. And I was really tested one time about whether or not I would be strong and do what a man is called to do. All right? Wow, you know, well, can, what happened? You know, they want to know the story. Or I remember when I really understood the beauty of a woman, the beauty of what God did to make a woman so special. Because she's called a helper in Genesis, but did you know that in, in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is called a helper? And it's the same word? The power of the Holy Spirit and a woman has somehow connected? Wow, the uniqueness of a woman. Right? See, they need to hear that. Well, we lost our power here. Um, but um, <clears throat> so, all right, next stage. You might ask them at this stage about their friends. Um, what do your friends do for fun? What do they do for fun? What do you like to do for fun? Um, ask them, would you say, what was a high, what was a high point for you this week? Um, what was a hope for you this week? What was something you hoped would happen this week? Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Or ask the question, what helps you study? What, what is it when you study? What, what really helps you be a good student? What, what, what do you like that helps you study? Well, that's a really good question you know, for them to think about. Remind them that these are the years that they're going to get, they're going to get exposed to tough issues. They're going to have kids that are going to start smoking cigarettes. They're going to start drinking alcohol. Um, maybe even what they call vaping. And this is huge. This is huge. I mean, this is happening. Every community in the United States, kids are vaping, okay? Um, and I'm not talking about your kids, necessarily. And your kids may be at a Christian school or whatever, but this is big. It's happening out there. So what do you happen when you heard that? Or you might even just ask the question. You say, um, um, I've, heard, I've heard about this thing called vaping. What, what is that? See, one of the best things you can do is play dumb. You know, don't tell them, hey, that's bad for you. You know, I, you know, no. You want to know what they think. You want to get in their world and say, what, what, what is that? I, I don't even understand. How does it work? And then you're going to find out how much they actually know. All right. Uh, wow. I, you know, that, I didn't have any of that when I was, when I was younger. Uh, but I do remember, you know, people wanting to smoke cigarettes. And I tried once and it smelled horrible, you know. But whatever, you're wanting to get into that aspect of their life. Um, 
you could say, what happens when a friend asks you if you want to try this or that? Hey, you want to try some of this? A little alcohol or cigarette stuff? What, is, what do you say? All right. Now, this is when they need help. They need help because they're going to get faced with that. And instead, you could say, you know, I'm just kind of not into that right now. Now, do you hear the words I used? Right now. So in other words, he's not telling the guy he's bad. He's not trying to run him off. But he's just saying, I I'm not into that right now. You see? So they need to they need know what to say. They need to know what to do when they face those kinds of things. Um, ninth to 10th grade, big transition. This is when they're mixing with older kids every day. Uh, <clears throat> I remember Marque said she asked her, 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 her boys one time, she said, you know, it seems to me like the girls are wearing shirts and dresses that are just shorter and shorter and shorter. What do you guys think about that? You know what? To the one of them, they said, we don't like it. We don't like it. You know, all it is is just want me to look at their bodies and we don't like that. You know, isn't that interesting? That that was a struggle for boys, you see? Um, but what a great question. Um, do girls call you? Uh, yeah, sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you what do you say? Well, you know, I just try to be really careful. You know, uh, you found out that some girls can be aggressive. Yeah, I am. Okay, then you want to be real careful about girls that are aggressive. Okay, you see, they need to know how you feel, and what you're doing is is you're helping them become. They need to know how to respond and how to feel because they don't know how to test their feelings. You see? So it's just, uh, that would make me uncomfortable, you know, and, uh, and help them with that. Um, there's a great handout over here uh, that gives you a picture of a book called Get Your Teenager Talking, all right? And on the back side is the index of every kind of possible issue. Uh, so it's by Jonathan McKee, put out by Bethany House Publishers. Everything you need to spark meaningful conversations about any issue. You've got television, you've got sex, you've got role models, you've got getting along with others, you've got food, you've got manners, you've got uh, education, you've got drinking, drugs, I mean, every possible thing. Uh, that would help you with that as well. Um, all right, let me move us along here and I'll see if you've got any questions after this. 11 to 12, this is when kids get asked, well, you know, where are you going to go to college? What are you going to do? All right. Uh, and most of them, they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. Some do. Some do. But, uh, and they'll tell you if they do. But most of them don't. And they don't know. How, so how am I supposed to deal with that when people are just asking me that all the time? Well, you know, what are you going to major in? And you want to tell them, you know, it's okay to say, you know, I'm not really sure yet. See, they need to know what to say. They don't know what to say rather than, oh, yeah, all my buddies are going to A&M, you know, or Oklahoma or University of Illinois, whatever. And they just throw it out and they don't mean it just to say, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking that through. See, that helps them to know what to say. What are you going to major in? I don't know. I, 
I, I think I need to explore my options more. Okay? Well, good, good. So let's talk about some of that uh, as, your grand, as your grandfather to say, um, what do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy doing? You know, most kids start developing uh, a skill that they will use the rest of their lives by the time they're five or six. They have a uniqueness that's there. We just don't know how to pull it out, you see, of them. Uh, but it's very important. And you can ask them a question uh, over, over these years, of course, depending on how young they are, what are some things you've done that nobody told you to do, but you really enjoyed doing it? Now, usually in that is a skill that they like. You see, we're very, we're very poor descriptors of ourselves, right? But we start having those kinds of things early on in life. And it's almost always the same thing, just a different circumstance. So help them with that to explore. What do you look forward to? Um, teaching them to observe, to serve others. Um, so do you have any kids at school that dress in black? Oh yeah, there's a group of them that do that. They call it goth, okay? It's like Gotham, you know. Um, and he said, uh, and I would say to them, you know, isn't it interesting, they're just looking for, to find some kind of personal identity, aren't they? Don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. Just befriend them. You don't have to do what they do. But they're just searching for meaning is what they're doing, you see. And they're, they're showing it by what they do. Um, you can say to them soon, you know, you're going to have some big decisions to make. The three big decisions that you make when you go off to college. And that is, what am I going to do with my life? Secondly, who am I going to do it with? And what's going to keep me on track that's going to be my true north so I really live out my values? Okay. Well, we can explore a lot of things to help you look at some options for what you can do. And what I tell kids is, you know, explore. Uh, if you take a job right out of college and it doesn't work, you haven't lost a thing. You've learned something. All right? Because you've got time on your side. You know? You can shift and try something different. So don't be afraid to go into architecture and then find out that it wasn't actually the drawing that you liked, but it was the fact that you liked it in your hands and making something uh, grow, you see? Uh, and you begin to shift, but it's okay to experience things like that. Um, um, what, uh, who are you going to do it with? Big decision. Um, let's not think of any person, but if you were ever to marry, what would you want that person to be like? You see, they, you, nobody's ever made them think through that. Well, I sure want them to cook like mom. Okay, that's great. All right, what else? All right. Well, um, I'd want them to <clears throat> sit down and listen to me at night in bed when I go to bed like dad does. You know, what, whatever. Okay, so you, you like a listener, whatever. Well, what else? What else? 
and get them to think about that because that's an important decision, isn't it? And one of the big issues that baby boomers have now is, is their, when their children go away as empty nest, is then they come back, you know, they rebound, and you gotta, they got to live at home, and now, but it's different rules, isn't it? Because they're adults, right? But the next big issue is when they get divorces and how they handle that and how they face that kind of stuff because they didn't make a good decision to begin with. It isn't the end of the world. We don't like it, but it happens, all right? And so we've got to help them walk through those issues in life. But the best thing to do is to, is to try to set some things in their minds before they ever get there about who they're looking for. What are your guiding principles? Um, this is, in a sense, of the values that never change. In other words, what's going to always be true for you, and that is tell the truth, no matter what. Tell the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right? You've got to go live by what is truth. All right? Secondly, you want to ask, do, uh, am, I, am I learning to become a listener? Rather than telling people everything I know, will I listen to people? Because that's when I really know where other people are, you see. That's a true north issue, learning to be a good listener. Jesus was an excellent listener. And that's why he asked the questions that he asked. Um, prayer. Does God answer prayer? All right. You know, love, it was Spurgeon that said, there's not a single prayer that's ever been uttered that wasn't, it isn't recorded in the royal archives of heaven. Every prayer. Bad, good, there's no such thing as a bad prayer, all right? Maybe immature, maybe unwise, but who you're praying to, and the Holy Spirit teaches you how to pray better, okay? But prayer is important because there are going to times you're not, you, speaking to your child, are not going to know what to do. So I'll tell you what, I want you to memorize this verse, James 1.5, if any one lacks wisdom, let him ask. And God will give you that wisdom without holding back. Simply ask in faith. Right? And say, that's been, a, that's been a standpoint for me for my entire life. Anytime anybody asks me a question, that's my immediate prayer. Lord, give me your wisdom. Teach them these true north issues, and you can go on and on with that. Um, okay, let's review this right quick, and then we'll wrap. So, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to give you this on my PowerPoint here, but here's a couple of things. Number one, think ahead about what your grandchildren will face and what you want to find out about, okay? Think ahead. That's key. And those ages and stages will help you. Think about special needs for your grandchildren. They have, if they have a quiet personality or they talk too much, <laughs> all right? And some of them do. Some of them have very busy, outgoing personalities. That, that you're going to treat them differently, all right? Thirdly, 
discuss this with your mate and your, you know, your, your, their parents uh, and other grandparents. And that is, remember this, no one shoe fits all, okay? Every child has a uniqueness. Um, if you don't get the information you want, then just go back to what you call safe questions. That's like these right here. You know, hey, uh, did, did the Aggies beat Notre Dame today? You know, and, and of course some kids sports-wise say, oh yeah, they already know. That was the sixth inning and they, you know, they, they already know it. It's just amazing. Isn't it? um, go back to safe questions if you're not getting the information you want. Just kind of drop back, get into easier things. Uh, then you can go deeper, but um, safe questions deal with sports, music, friends, events, news items, all right? That relaxes the atmosphere. But the next level is opinions. That is, hey, I heard at school that uh, they were discussing this issue of inflation. Um, have you thought about that? Do you know what that means? What, what's your, what are your thoughts about that? They may, they may know nothing. Which it's not that you're trying to be their teacher, but you're getting opinions. Um, I heard the other day that President Biden said, "Census, what what do you think about that?" See, and you are you already know what you think about it, okay? But what do you think about that? Um, so you can always offer your thoughts on something and then ask their opinion. For example, I heard the other day about. Um, such and such, nothing's popping in my head at the moment. And you know, I thought that's really not a really good idea uh, uh, to do it that way. Um, a national tax, a free tax, day, no taxes on gasoline, all right? And I thought, the reason is, is it's just one day, you know? So now then you're back to where you were. So what do you think about just kind of a quick fix? You see, is that, well, helpful, but is it not? I mean, you get them to think in that type of way. Um, um, those, are, those are kind of what you call safe questions and what? Feelings, another area. Share feelings you had. They really need to know if you've had doubts or you've had fears and if you've had failures because they're going to have them, okay? And what they need to know is, is that doubts are normal. Doubts are normal, all right? That just means you, there's something you don't know yet, all right? I, I'm not sure that's true. Well, then let, let's talk some more about that, okay? Um, and um, fears. What would you say right now, the kids in your class, what do you think they fear the most? And you hear where I put it? I put it on their friends, not on them, because they'll tell you what they fear. All right? What do you, where do your friends fear the most? Oh, they fear getting left out. Mm. What do you think about that? So you're getting the talk. Failures. My greatest failure was, and you share it with them. And here's what happened. Uh, your joys. You know, the happiest days of my life was when. They need to know that. They need to know that and stuff. Um, finally, get into their world, what's important to them. That creates trust, 
and opens windows for biblical wisdom. So those are the thoughts that we've been learning and trying to pass on. These, these have a lot of, of, of similar questions like that. That book on getting your teenager to talk is really, really helpful. Now, why do I tell you all of this? Because there are approximately 35 million Christian grandparents in America. And the average grandparent has four grandchildren. All right? That's 125 million people that could change the world. But it starts with them learning to trust you as you ask them questions and help them process life because they don't, they don't know how to do it. And schools don't teach them how to do it, right? They don't. This can be huge. And for churches, if you start helping your grandparents become intentional Christian grandparents, you're going to enliven them and you create a ministry to help them in that way, they're going to get back involved because where they need to go is right back down to that bottom chain because when a grandparent realizes, hey, my grandkids are down there, but are they just babysitting, you see? Or are they, uh, are they really making something happen? So instead of spoiling them, you are influencing them. Instead of using, uh, uh, instead of saying, well, I, I never did it very well, use your own past and failures to teach. They need to know that. Um, if you've been hurt by your adult children, ask God to help you set that aside and treat them with grace for the future, okay? Um, we have a lot of grandparents who said, you know, my kids won't let me, won't let me see my grandkids. They're ticked off at me. Well, whatever you can do. I, I, I've got one testing me in that area right now. All right. Uh, what can I do for it to grow? Um, in your retiring, you want to develop a plan to overcome any kind of barriers to be able to pass on your faith to the next generation because that's the mandate of scripture. Your children's children. There it is. Okay, all right. Thank y'all very much. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They're free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.